So I don't know if you remember this, but about uh, maybe six weeks ago, I'm not quite sure, but uh, Bill was preaching a message and he was talking about a guy who um, came up to him when he was in the park and he was praying and someone came up to him and it was, they, were, they were going, oh, I see you're reading the Bible. What's your favorite scripture verse? Five, four, three, two, you know, and Bill's just kind of like, oh. and, he, and he, you know, he says, you know what, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse two, which by the way is a great verse. Look it up, transformative, great verse. Um, I happen to be sitting next to um, a saint within our church, a certain person named Karen. Where is she? <laughs> I've lost track of Karen Barnes. Uh, oh, wait, way in the back. <laughs> You're hiding. Um, and I leaned over to her and asked her, you know, what's your favorite scripture? Uh, do you remember what, I, I can't remember which scripture you mentioned, but <laughs> there you go. And for me, um, you know, I, I leaned over and I was saying, you know, it'd have to be this passage from Philippians, which was just read. Uh, whether it be through my journey or in the ministry of prayer and healing that I'm focused upon uh, in the hospital, that passage, I, I have lost count how many times that passage has made a difference for people. And unlike our salvation, which is a free gift, a work of grace, totally given by God's activity and work, whether it be through creation or on the cross or through resurrection, there are a number of cases in scripture where God does ask us to do things and then we receive things. When it comes to the peace of God, we do see that. Uh, it's a bargain. It's a transaction. It's a supernatural exchange. And today's message is going to focus upon something that um, I hear about a lot in scripture. But it also reminds me of something that makes my wife Lori's eyes roll on a regular basis because I love a deal. I love a garage sale. I don't know about you, but uh, if there is a flea market, I'll stop if there is a thrift store I want to go, half the time I come home and, and I say, Lori, guess what I got today? And it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> Which happened yesterday, as a matter of fact. I, I got a bunch of Corel dishes, the white ones, you know. Buck a piece is a great deal. Got a DVD player, Blu-ray for seven bucks. It's a great deal. <laughs> I even got a copy of Tora, Tora, Tora that... Greg Johnson already had, but I thought he might want to have it. So. <laughs> but I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I just, I love a good deal. There was one time when I came home with, I was driving a Ford Taurus and I had a sofa strapped on top of the car with rope, like, like you know, it, for those of you who remember the Beverly Hillbillies, it was like that. Um, I got it for 35 bucks along with the love seat, which I had to go make another trip to go get. <laughs> it was a great deal. I thought it was a beautiful couch. It's in the basement. Lori is like, no, it's not beautiful. <laughs> but such is the life. I, I love a great deal. And for me, a lot of it, you know, 
going through thrift stuff, you know, part of it's the hunt, you know, to find that really cool thing. I haven't seen that in years. It's something we need. It's cheap. You know, I'm, I'm, I enjoy meeting new people. Um, you know, just striking up a conversation with the people there, finding out a, bit, a little bit about their lives. Uh, I love a good deal, and I love a bargain. Well, the people that I meet all the time in the hospital, whether it be the nurses, the doctors, the technicians, housekeeping staff, everybody working there, um, they're looking for something too, especially nowadays. Um, things are really stretched. Things are really strained. And on a constant basis, I hear people saying, I need a break. Um, I need some peace of mind. Um, I, need, I need peace. I need rest. I need hope. Um, somehow downloading the Calm app isn't getting the job done. A lot of times, you know, we're encouraged to be mindful of things. It's good. But for the peace that people yearn for, especially our patients, um, they need more. Just a week ago, I was on call and I got called during the night to a lady who was in the ICU, an elderly lady. And she had been crying for hours because it had been like her fifth trip back to the hospital. She felt like almost all of her kids had abandoned her, except for her daughter, who happened to be out of town. Um, she was lonely. She was sick. She was in pain. She was afraid. And she needed hope. And... Really, more than anything else, she and so many others yearn for real peace to fill some kind of hole in their lives, some kind of hole that only God can fill. That's, that's the peace, that's the bargain that they're looking for, and she, like so many people, would say, I, I would give anything, I would do anything for some peace right now. And we actually went through this passage. So this message that I'm going to share with you today, I actually shared at a bedside in an ICU eight days ago. So let's go ahead and, and jump right in to that scripture. So the first thing that Lily was sharing from St. Paul, uh, he talks about don't worry about anything. And really what God's talking about is turning away from anxiety, turning away from worry. This is different. A lot of people, you know, you read translations and it says, don't be anxious about anything. Um, you know, I really don't think that's, you know, quite the meaning that Paul's getting at in the original Greek. Because we have feelings, we get afraid. We get worried. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes it's like driving through fog. Have you ever driven through fog or, or a blizzard before? I mean, you don't know what's in front of you. You don't know who else might be there, whether or not they're friend or foe. You don't know what's going to happen. You feel unsafe. You feel afraid. 
I remember one time I was in a dust storm in West Texas and it was like that. I couldn't see past the hood of my car and I was afraid that if I slowed down, someone would plow right into me. If I parked, someone would hit me. If I kept on going on, I might hit someone else. You know, what to do? And a lot of times when we're up against it, it can feel like that. Just, uh, you know, it's natural to worry and be anxious when you're in a situation like that. God gives us this passage to remind us that we don't have to live in that space, but instead we can turn from that worry and anxiety to something better. We can be in a better space, a better location, and the way to do that is to pray, to pray. So moving on in the passage, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Turning to God in prayer. Now, I don't know if everybody here prays a lot. I I think that, I mean, certainly when, when I was growing up and the church I was going to, I thought that prayer was something that you know, kind of like when we were reading that creed a little while ago, you know, it, you're just the holy words and you don't necessarily know what words like holy or grace or, you know, resurrection. I mean, all, all these different things. I mean, those, those are kind of churchy words. You don't necessarily use words like that, say, in school. I certainly didn't. And, you know, I, I often was afraid that if I said the wrong words, I kind of might mess it up in front of God or, you know, I just wouldn't do it right. So I, I just didn't pray a lot. Or sometimes I'd pray the prayers that I was given and I just couldn't con- really connect with it. Um, prayer at its, at its essence, though, it's a conversation. It's okay to talk with God like we talk with each other, certainly with respect. And I'm hoping that when I speak with you and you speak with me, we would respect each other and we'd honor each other. Um, The Lord God is approachable. Thank God. I mean, he didn't have to do that. He could have literally lorded everything over us, but instead, um, in humility and approachability, He came to be among us and loves us with an endearing love. And God wants us to share things like what's wrong, what's worrying us, how we're hurting, because he cares for us. Um, In Romans 8.26, even when we have trouble finding the words in our pain, Paul reminds us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. So even if you don't have the words, you can still just cry out. One of the best prayers in the universe is, Oh God, and that's enough. I know a lot of folks in the military, and believe me, a lot of times, that's the only you know, prayer that they can get out. It's okay to just share your heart with God, to share what you need. But also God wants us to thank him for what 
he's done. Because, you know, if you think about it, Thanksgiving, which, I mean, I love the food, <laughs> okay? Um, but beyond that, if you think about it, when you're thankful, two things automatically happen. One is the present circumstance that you feel trapped by, your current situation, being thankful widens the area. It, it helps you remember outside of the present time what God has done in the past that has blessed you. And Thanksgiving also reminds us of the promises that God has made for the future to give us hope. It takes us out of the trap that we're often in, in the midst of worry and anxiety, and instead widens the circle, not only to let us know that there's more because of what God has done and what God will do, but also that God is there. Thanksgiving cuts through the fog and lets us know that we're not alone. Prayer in that conversation automatically shows us that we, we're not destined to handle this by ourselves, like we're trapped, we're depressed, maybe even wondering, can I escape? Instead, God reminds us, and we can thank him for us, that he has saved us, and that his kingdom will come, and that this situation is not the way things will be forever. But instead, we're looking forward to a better place and better times. So Thanksgiving opens the door for that. It helps us to think differently, which is what Paul goes on to share with us. It brings us to a better place. Thanksgiving also, um, well, really what Paul's talking about, he, he encourages us to fix our thoughts on something else. Fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Paul tells us to think about, uh, to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. God wants us to turn our attention, to turn our attention to what is good. Now just think about this. Okay, what if you spent the entire weekend in a dark room with no light. How would you feel if you did that? What if you spent every waking hour watching the news? Where would your mind be? <laughs> okay. Um, you know, some of the TV shows, um, I, you know, I, I grew up with things like Andy Griffith and Gilligan's Island, but some of the TV shows, I come home, I've had a long day at work, and I turn on the TV and there's an autopsy going on or someone just got killed and it's gory. I mean, uh, I, mean I get it, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's drama, right? But do I want my headspace, where I'm dwelling, to be that? Is that really going to help me find peace? If I'm arguing about politics and elections all the time and the way things should be, is that really going to get me to a place where I'm experiencing 
not only peace, but the peace of God. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says, all of you, and this is important, all of you, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. You might think by reading through this passage in Philippians that Paul is speaking to each of us individually. If you thought that, you'd be wrong. In fact, the Greek specifically has all of these instructions in the plural. Every time he's saying, do this, don't do that, he's talking about all of us. So if you think about it, what if any one of you is worrying about something? What if any of you was struggling with something? You think God just wants you to engage in the power of positive thinking and that's good enough? No. God wants us to reach out to each other within the body of Christ and have us encourage one another and help one another that God has for each of us to let each of us know the truth of it, that no matter what you're going through, no no matter what illness it is, no matter what struggle it is, whether or not you wonder, can I find a financial way out? Is there a way to manage this situation that'll be better? You're not meant to handle it on your own. But instead, we have deacons, we have elders, we have each other as covenant partners within this fellowship to encourage one another by sharing God's word, by praying for each other, by helping each other. Think about the name of this church, Grace 242. Okay, Acts 2 Chapter 2, verse 42 is all about being a fellowship where you're sharing with one another and you're helping each other in the midst of the love and peace of Jesus Christ. That's why it matters that Paul is speaking in the plural here. That finding the good, focusing on things above, things of heaven, focusing on the truth of the word of God, all that's something that we're in this together. So if you're anxious, I know a lot of us have the tendency to kind of hole up and wall ourselves off. Part of looking towards what is good and right and perfect and holy involves reaching out to each other. I want to encourage you to be bold about reaching out to each other if you're struggling so that your friend in Christ won't try to fix you, but instead will encourage you to build up the body of Christ so that we will be in the midst of God's peace. It's important. So, I am... I noticed also something that, uh, and it's from Philippians 4.9. You know, Paul says, keep on putting into practice all you learned and received from me. And this is Paul speaking. And he talks about everything you heard and see me doing. You know, I, I read this, I'm like going, wow, that's quite a list. You know, I mean, here's Paul who is arguably um, the most comprehensive theologian in the New Testament. 
cer certainly the most prolific missionary in the New Testament. So trying to measure up to Paul, <laughs> I don't know about you, that seems like a tall order. But then I think about what Jesus did for Paul, the kind of man that Paul was. If you think about it, before Paul believed in Jesus, Paul's life was all about, when he was called Saul, he was all about being kind of the star in his community. He was all about personal power, personal advancement, um, chalking up what he would call victories, and not really interested in listening to Jesus. Then he encountered Jesus in person on a road to Damascus. And he was blinded and he was humbled. And for the people that he was out to get, some of whom he had killed, that community, the church, took him in by the direction of Jesus Christ himself. And he was transformed into Paul. And his life, instead of being about him, his life was all about trusting Jesus, obeying Jesus, living in Christ, knowing that in Christ there's life. Even to the point where Paul would say things, you know, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. He was content in every situation. This was how Paul lived. This is the kind of life that Paul's calling us to do, to trust in Christ, to know that in Christ there's peace and there's rest. And it made me think of this passage in Matthew 11. You know the passage that starts off, come to me you or her weary and heavy laden? I love the message translation of this. Jesus saying, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burdened, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound like peace? But what Jesus is talking about in, in the Greek is being yoked with Jesus. Uh, back then, you know, they had these, these collars, these great wooden collars that two oxen would wear and they'd be molded to each of them. And in tandem, they would pull carts, plows, things like that. Jesus is talking about being yoked with him, walking with him. The picture that I have of this is kind of like, uh, you know, and my kids when they were younger, there are times when we would go to, you know, go on walks in parks or go on nature walks or we would go to the zoo. And to keep my kids safe, we'd walk hand in hand. And I, I love hand-holding. You know, it's one of the ways that I feel loved and I want to communicate love. But also when I'm walking with my kid, I'm keeping my kids safe, right? 
I'm letting my kid know, hey, you're not alone. You don't have to be afraid. Have any of you ever gotten lost in, in like an amusement park or, or at the zoo or something like that? Scary. <coughs> but holding hands, I see you holding hands. <laughs> it makes a difference. Keeps us safe. Let's us know that we're loved. And the thing about holding hands with God the Father or Jesus Christ our Lord, um, God tells us what is good and what's right to do, and he leads us towards still waters. He leads us like a shepherd towards green pastures. He restores our souls. That's what it's like, obeying. There's beauty in that. There's safety in that. Over the years, I've become convinced Paul, who was a Jew through and through, who came to believe in Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, I, I've come to believe that when, G, when Paul was writing this passage in Philippians, that he was thinking actually of another passage in Isaiah. It, it's a summation of everything that we're going to talk about today. Um, it also takes place in prayer. Um, it is worth memorizing. This, uh, this passage from Philippians, <coughs> four verses, well worth memorizing. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, um, well worth memorizing. This is what it says. You, and this is Isaiah, in a conversation with God. You can read the whole conversation, great book to read. Um, you, Lord, will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You see the echo and what Paul's talking about versus what uh, Isaiah's talking about. Our part of the bargain, and this is a bargain, our part of the bar bargain is trusting in God and fixing our thoughts on God. And God's part of the bargain is perfect peace. Perfect peace. I'll take that. Not just any kind of peace. But, you know, and, and you th if you think about it, you know, people... People talk about peace all the time, right? You know, and you know that they, you'll get all kinds of methods, you know, for inner stillness and things like that. You know, that stuff, I mean, you know, I, I worked in a behavioral health psychiatric unit for years. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do that will get you so far, you know, and, and there's good in that. I'm not saying it's bad. But what I am saying, though, is that God's perfect peace God's part of the bargain here is qualitatively different than the kind of peace that we can manufacture. In fact, the way Paul puts us is that God's peace is more than we can understand. This is God's peace, something that only God can give, something that's qualitatively better than what we can do. Perfect peace. This perfect peace is also protective peace, kind of like what I was talking about walking through, say, that zoo or the amusement park. 
Um, in Philippians 4.7, he talks about that peace is peace that will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As we abide in him and he abides in us, as we maintain that relationship through prayer, through fellowship with each other, as we fix our thoughts on God, God will give us peace of mind and peace of heart, guarding our thoughts, guarding our feelings. Um, Right now, our country is experiencing a mental health crisis. You hear about it, I mean, I, I don't know, but I hear about it all the time. Certainly they talk about it on TV. Um, maybe you talk about it to surround where you are. Counseling, behavioral health, I've seen that sort of stuff help people a lot. Um, I've gone through counseling. I mean, that there's good there. But again, it's qualitatively different than the protection and the peace that God can give. One is something that we achieve by our human effort through hard work, through honesty, through trust, um, sometimes through other methods. Um, we're not here to learn about psychiatric care. <laughs> okay. um, but it's God who made us. It's God who sustains us. In Christ, all things hold together, including our lives, our relationships, the things that we have, the things that we will have. All of these things are gifts from God so that we aren't left to our own devices, but ultimately, I mean, things run out, things eventually fail. But God doesn't fail. God endures forever. And his peace that passes all understanding will meet us where we're at. Ultimately, it is God who is the way to healing, protective peace. We're coming to a close now, but I have a few more things to share. Ultimately, we're talking about Paul's saying, then the God of peace will be with you. A lot of times I think of, I've thought of peace as a commodity. Ultimately, peace is not something. Peace is someone. Peace is Jesus. Peace is the Lord God, Jehovah, Yahweh, Atanai, Hashem. So many names that are there for God. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. But the God of peace is the one who meets us where we're at and he takes care of us. He loves us. I'd like to tell you um, a story that I often share within the hospital and then I'd like to share something that happened on Wednesday of this week. Um, The first part is something that I'm just going to ask that you close your eyes and you do a little imagining. Maybe something that you can relate to. Think back to when you were a kid. When you were really young. You're outside. You're just playing outside. You're running down the sidewalk. 
you feel like you have all the energy in the world and it's a beautiful day. You're having a great time. It's like you're flying down the sidewalk. But then the toe of your shoe catches a crack. All of a sudden, you actually are flying. And before you know it, your palms are scraped, your knees are scraped, you're bleeding. What's the first thing that you do? You don't ask, why did this happen? Or explore the coefficient of friction that caused a skin abrasion or what kind of treatment should be applied. No, you, you, you run even faster to someone you trust. Not so that they can explain things to you, but so they can what? So they can comfort you. So they can hold you. So that they can let you know that you're not alone and that it is going to be all right. Even if you're hurt badly. My friends, that's the kind of peace that God wants for you. Especially when things are just completely out of control. Which brings me to a lady who I saw this week. Um, this, this happens a lot in the line of work I'm in. So this lady is 38 years old. She has a three-year-old son. She has a 16-year-old son. She's been married for a long time. And she's experienced heartbreak in her past. Um, a miscarriage, stillbirth. Um, she went through a bout of cancer. And she came to the hospital because, well, her stomach hurt. And she knew something was wrong. And they did scans. And the news she got Wednesday was, you have stage four metastatic cancer. You're going to need chemo. You're going to need radiation. Um, it's stage four. It's through your whole body. Um, but even to get to the point where you can have the chemo or the radiation, we're going to have to do a surgery because right now you can't even eat anything. Um, we have to do a bypass so that you can eat while we do chemo and radiation on the tumor that's blocking your ability to eat anything. So we're talking together, we're praying together, and she's holding on to the cross that's, that she's constantly wearing. And, and I asked her, what's making a difference for you right now? And she said, well, you know, one thing is, I am so thankful that I could wake up today to be with my family and so that I can pray. And then she talked about how good Jesus has been to her and how much she loves Jesus. And I got to tell you, I mean... Um, People think that ministers are like good people or whatever. <laughs> I was humbled to my core because that's a woman that I want to be like. That's someone who knows Jesus because this woman 
who's trying to take care of her three-year-old while she's in the hospital. She isn't defined by her cancer, but she's defined by her relationship with Jesus. Because he is the Prince of Peace for her. And because she can turn away from her fear and her anxiety and from her illness towards him because he is the God of peace. Jesus. We're coming up on, on a, boy, what's next week? Advent? A time to expectantly look forward to the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem the coming of Jesus. This is the way Isaiah described him. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Let's say it together. Prince of Peace. Paul says in Colossians 1, that God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And in Matthew 1, it said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it together, God with us. I want to encourage you, if, if you're trapped by worry or if you come across anxiety, you don't have to live there. Jesus came so that we could live with him. A new home, a new life, a relationship that redefines everything. We live in a world where people are trapped by that worry and they don't know a way out but you know the truth this is the good news that Jesus came so that we could be set free so that we could be saved to be with him in peace so I want to encourage you especially as we have this time of thanksgiving fix your thoughts upon him and trust him Amen.